Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. We all like a good story, don't we? Mary Hamilton is the president of the Kentucky Storytelling Association. She's the author of Kentucky Folk Tales, Revealing Stories, Truths, and Outright Lies. Mary Hamilton says the journey from story heard to story told to story written has three steps, and we'll find out about those three steps today. Mary Hamilton, welcome, and let me just ask you to begin with, what makes a good story? A good story, I think, is about character, characters that we care about. And a good storyteller manages to invite the audience to imagine. Tell me about the Kentucky Storytelling Association and how telling good stories and the definition that you just gave us and the Storytelling Association come together? Well, the Kentucky Storytelling Association has as its mission to develop appreciation and support for the art of storytelling throughout our state. So we try to spread the word to potential audiences about any storytelling event that's happening in Kentucky or in nearby areas of adjoining states. We offer a yearly storytelling conference that includes workshops on all kinds of different aspects of the art of storytelling. And we offer a youth storytelling program to encourage young people to engage in the art of storytelling. So it's really about promoting storytelling. We offer a teller-wanted service, so if someone's looking for a storyteller, they can contact KSA, and then that information goes out to the members who'd like to hear about things like that. So we facilitate some networking between event planners and storytellers. But it is called the Storytelling Association because it is not just for storytellers, but for anyone who wants to promote storytelling within our state. How long have we been telling stories in Kentucky? Oh, ever since there have been people here. I mean, people are story people. Humans tell stories. But the formal storytelling association that you're involved in, that you're president of, has been around for some time, too. So Since, I think, about 2004. Oh, well, then it's, so it's relatively, relatively new. So mm-hmm. what happened before 2004 when uh, people wanted to get together and, and tell stories? They just did that. They got on somebody's front porch or in an auditorium somewhere or a church and Or in a school? Absolutely. People just did that. There was a folklorist named Leonard Roberts who did a lot of collecting of stories in Kentucky, and he visited people in their homes and collected stories, and he also visited schools where many of the schools, particularly in eastern Kentucky, was where he did most of his collecting, At many of the schools, uh, once a week there would be some storytelling time, and the teachers and the children would just take some time out for telling stories. People, of course, have always told stories in their families. That's how family history and family values get passed down. All of our religious institutions have relied on storytelling as a way of passing along the, the sacred stories of the religion as well as the values that the religion holds. So storytelling's never been away. It's always been present. When did you begin telling stories? Unofficially as a child. 
I got into trouble for exaggerating <laughs> way back in third grade. Just thought my classmates needed to hear about a much more interesting weekend adventure than what my weekend had really been like. So I wove an elaborate story about riding my horse bareback, starting to slide off the rear end and inching my way up, holding on to the mane for dear life and finishing my ride. Of course, we did not even own a horse, so it was exaggerated all the way through, but they did enjoy it. And then officially, when I became a children's librarian, storytelling was an expected part of my job. I had been a teacher before that, and unfortunately, I now view it as unfortunately, hadn't realized what, how wonderful the art of storytelling could be in a, in a classroom. So you, in the third grade, uh, made up a story. Yes. Are uh, stories that you are aware of in the Storytelling Association, are they fiction or nonfiction? Both. There are people who tell stories based on incidents in their lives. There are people who tell stories that start from an incident in their lives and then exaggerate out. There are people who stick with the actual facts as remembered by what happened. There are people who retell folk tales and fairy tales from a wide variety of cultures. There are people who do scholarly work in learning um, about various ancient mythologies and they retell those stories. And the Kentucky Storytelling Association is in favor of all of that. We try to support all storytelling. How do you support that? Just encouraging people to tell all different aspects of, of... Well, encouraging, but then at the annual Kentucky Storytelling Conference, which this year is going to be happening in Louisville, November 3rd and 4th, at that storytelling conference, we offer a variety of workshops. We solicit workshop proposals from all over the country. So among our workshops this year, we have a workshop on interviewing for stories that matter, and it's being led by Joe Radner, who's a former president of the National Storytelling Network and a former president of the American Folklore Society. We have a workshop on creating and telling ghost stories, and that's being led by Thomas Fries. He's an author of like nine ghost story mm -hmm. books. Kentuckian. Yes, a Kentuckian. We have a workshop on the intersection of traditional stories and personal stories and how that can promote self-awareness for healing and resilience. And that's a full day session that's being led by Noah Baum. Noah Baum comes from Maryland, and she is an Israeli-born storyteller who her most recent book is called A Land Twice Promised, and it's about the friendship between herself and a Palestinian woman and how they had to deal with this land twice promised. So... Mm -hmm. We have a session led by Octavia Sexton, a Kentuckian who's done some work with storytelling in women's prisons, and she's doing a session on storytelling with the incarcerated. We have a session led by Robin Beatty. She's a teller um, from New York, from Brooklyn, and she's doing a session on tell and draw stories where, where as you're telling, you're drawing lines as you're telling the story, and you end up with an image at the end, and she's teaching people how to do that. Megan Hicks from Philadelphia is our featured teller. She will be doing a session on fracturing fairy tales. She has this whole series of stories that she calls Groundhogs Meet Grimm, where 
groundhogs show up in fairy tale after classic fairy tale. And so she's really good at breaking apart some of these traditional stories and putting them back together in a playful way, and she's doing a session on that. We have some um, three folks working together from um, Letcher County, uh, Legina Adams and her husband Sam Adams and Tessa Caudle, and they're doing a session that they've called Tall Tales History or Just Plain Lies. <laughs> and it's about how to research your hometown story, figure out what's true, what's not, and how to determine when that difference between what's true and what's not really makes a difference in what you're presenting. So they're dealing with research and critical thinking and coming up with stories. Um, Katie Ross from West Virginia is going to do a session specifically for beginning storytellers called Helping Fledgling Storytellers Soar. Tara Anderson, who is the producer of The Louisville Moth, is doing a workshop on telling your personal five-minute stories, which are the kind of stories that are told at, at the monthly moth events. We have um, a couple of people from Batavia, New York, who have special education and social work backgrounds, and they are doing a session on adapting storytelling for everyone, especially about adaptations that might be needed for people with vision loss or developmental or learning disabilities. And I'm sure wow. there are more, and I'm just not well, coming up with all, all of from, them. you're doing all that from memory, but too. I am, I, mean, I am. I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the committee yeah. <laughs> and remembering. But, but it's going to be really wonderful. And we have a lot of open mics that, to where anybody can tell for up to 10 minutes. And we tell people quite clearly, we'll time you. Mm. You can tell a story that's 10 minutes or less. Or if you want to tell a longer story, that's fine. We'll stop you in 10 minutes and people can find you later to find out what happened. <laughs> so everyone in is welcome to tell. Right, wherever yeah. they want later. We have evening concerts. Um, Megan Hicks will tell for about 20 to 30 minutes both evenings. And um, then there will be open mic as part yeah. of those evenings. Oh, one I'm very excited about. We have a couple of panels. Those are the things I left out. One is uh, an event creators panel, and we have the producer of the Louisville Moth talking about story slams, the producer of the Louisville Storytellers Project, which is a quarterly event curated storytelling through the Courier Journal talking about curated events. Megan Hicks does house concerts at her home, so she's talking about house concerts. And Cynthia Changaris um, has many years done intensive small group coaching, storytelling coaching retreats, as well as workshops led by uh, featured Gosh. storytellers. So they're going to talk about their events briefly describing them, telling how they develop the audience for them, and how they measure success for them. And then Louisville Free Public Library is working with us. Louisville Free Public Library's Immigrant Services, they are up right now. They're a finalist for a big uh, national award that I think comes from the National Humanities mm -hmm. Council. It might, yeah. And they are working with us to put together a panel of international storytellers from people who have moved to the Louisville community, immigrants to Louisville. And in this panel, the tellers will tell a story, and they'll also talk about the role of storytelling in their culture. I don't know so how you can get all create, of that in in, in uh, two days. November well, you don't get to go to everything. <laughs> you do have to make some choices. Uh -huh. You're able to attend a pre-conference, and you're able to attend three workshop sessions. So people do have to make some choices, but we try to offer a variety so that people can 
So some's related to crafting. Some is just an abil- a chance to yeah. find out about a kind of storytelling. And some are related to applied storytelling, like using storytelling in particular situations. So we really do try to have a solid educational conference. And then the concerts are free in the evening. So anybody can come to the evening concerts. And uh, And it's all online. November 3rd and 4th. And and where is this going to be? It's in Louisville at Hotel Louisville, which is corner of 2nd and Broadway. And uh, let, let, let me ask you about some definitions in case uh, people aren't familiar with, mm-hmm. with some of the terms. Uh, the Moth Radio Hour is uh, well known to people who listen to NPR because yes. of what they do. But, but you mentioned the Louisville Moth, and I, I, so I, I'm assuming, and I do know what that is, that that's their, um, their take, uh, which I think is also broadcast on WFPL Radio. I don't know if it's if it's all broadcast on WFPL, but WFPL is a sponsor mm-hmm. of the Louisville Moth. The Louisville Moth is the Louisville version of Moth, mm-hmm. so it's it's definitely affiliated well, with the National Moth. The fellow who started Moth talked about when you when you read on the website about how he got it started. He was from the South, Georgia, I think, and he talked about recalling people just sitting around telling stories by the porch light and how the moths would kind of fly in and the presence of the moths were always part of the storytelling. And so for whatever the reason, he decided to call it the moth and it got started and, and now it's kind of across the country. So what happens monthly in Louisville last Tuesday of every month is a story slam. So Anybody can go who wants. It, it's, it's at the Headliners Music Hall in Louisville. People can go. You put your name in if you're interested in telling. And over the course of the evening, 10 names are drawn out. People have a five-minute time limit. Needs to be a true story. Needs to be related to the theme that is announced in advance for the night. And the winner of each month's Story Slam qualifies for a Grand Slam that's held once a year at the Baumhard Theater to a sold-out crowd at the Kentucky Center for the Arts. And then some of the people who have told at Louisville Moth have been invited before to tell in New York at a National Moth Grand Slam, and some of their stories have been published elsewhere because of their affiliation with the Moth. Maybe not because of the affiliation, but it's come to the attention of entities like Reader's Digest through the Moth. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk some more about uh, where other storytellers uh, mm-hmm. get together, but. Uh, I wanted to uh, go back to the question that I asked in the very uh, beginning in our introduction about um, the journey from story heard to story told to story written has three steps. And that's one of the addresses, uh, one of the talks that you do uh, for the uh, Kentucky Humanities Speakers Bureau series, which you're available to do. And this one is called Ears to Pen. So um, would you talk a little bit about that? Well, basically... I think sometimes people think that what I've discovered is that to write a story down, to put stories in my book, I couldn't just write them exactly like I told them. And because you're changing changing medium. So when I'm telling in front of people, I have so many tools I can use. There's the sound of my voice, but there's also facial expression. And even more importantly, there are the facial expressions of the listeners and their faces tell me 
when to speed up and when to slow down, how to create the timing. They tell me if they are confused about something so I can go back and tell it again or straighten out a a confusion because I see all that feedback on their faces. I've done recordings of my stories, and so with recordings, the feedback of the faces disappears. There's no gesture that can make up the difference, but at least I still have sound. When it moves on into the printed page, all I have are the words. Now, I've got a few things to substitute for sound. I've got punctuation. I've got paragraphing. I've got some things I can use to substitute for the sound, but it's just a whole different way of thinking. And in my book, I tried very hard to stay as close as I could to how I actually tell the stories. So some of them, from a writer's perspective, a writer might think, boy, there's a lot of repetition here. So I have commentary after each story talking about what it's like when the story is told that varies from how it looks on the on the printed page. And this is your book, uh, Kentucky Folk Tales, Revealing Stories, the Truths, and Outright Lies. Correct. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the book and what you try to do in the book. The book is 26 stories written down as closely as I could to how I tell them. And then after each story, there is an essay, a commentary, that talks about some aspect of the art of storytelling. So one essay might talk about uh, Leonard Roberts collecting multiple versions of the story, and I may have cr- I've created a chart that shows details from lots of different versions. Another essay might talk about, well, does talk about my work in developing a story. There's a story, Some Dog, that I developed for the Kentucky um, Bicentennial. And it's a tall tale, and I struggled with it for a while because traditionally tall tales in Kentucky tend to be told by men. So, hmm, and they're told in first person. And it was kind of like, huh, okay, so I'm a woman, first person. Then I realized I have four brothers, Mm. so I made my four brothers the main characters in the story, and I was kind of off and running taking traditional Kentucky tall tales and putting them together to make one coherent story with lots of bits of info that just came out of my own imagination. So it really talks about process, but nowhere in the book will you find Mary Hamilton's 10 tips for telling stories or anything like that. When I was approached to write it, I said, I don't want that. I want to just talk about the art and provide the stories. We, we've all learned as as public speakers that it's best to tell stories um, mm, mm-hmm. and, and to um, entertain or inform your audience, if you will, uh, with, with stories rather than a speech yes. or rather than a PowerPoint. Um, and I would think that, that storytelling, if one is not uh, in the practice of, of telling stories the way that you just described and following some not, not the top 10 points, but some of the uh, aspects of, of how you've included storytelling in, in, in your life and what you're, you're doing now with the Storytelling Association, I think that would be quite helpful to professional speakers to, to really, if they're not telling stories, to learn to tell stories. It, it would be. Uh, sometimes I think people have the misconception that storytelling is about memorizing writing and reciting it. 
And it isn't about memorizing writing and reciting it. It could begin with writing. There are some storytellers who do begin by writing a story. But then you have to move from the writing to something that works watching that audience. And if your mind is focused on what is the next word that I wrote down on this page, let me remember this next word, then you're not paying much attention to the listeners. Instead, And it sounds read instead of sounding told. And a good story should sound told. It should, it should seem more like a conversation than you know, oratory, here I am telling you the story. It should sound more like an informal conversation. Tell me uh, more about what you've got coming up uh, in the uh, in the near future. Uh, September is National Storytelling Month. It's Kentucky Storytelling Month. Kentucky Storytelling Month. Month. And, mm-hmm. and you do have some other events uh, that uh, people might be interested in attending. Well, we hope that people will create events during the month of September and promote storytelling that way. It is Kentucky Storytelling Month as designated by the governor, and we appreciate that. The... Um, Paul Sawyer Public Library is going to be doing a Kentucky Liars contest. This Paul would be Sawyer the, in Frankfurt. In Frankfurt. Mm-hmm, thank you. This would be the uh, fourth year for that, but I don't have a date for that yet. I still need to get after him and say, okay, what day did you decide? Mm-hmm. But that's a tall tale telling contest. There are regular monthly events that would be happening in September. The Louisville Moth is the last Tuesday of every month. There's an event here in Lexington, Kentucky called From the Horse's Mouth, and that's true stories, 10 minutes, up to 10 minutes long, and it's one of those curated events, excuse me, where people have um, pitched their story idea in advance, and then the person who coordinates that, Jenny Rice, who teaches at University of Kentucky, is the coordinator. She decides which stories she's going to include and the order of the evening, and that's being held in in July. Do you want? To, let me give you the very next time. July thirtieth would be the next time people can go to that, but it's monthly, so mm-hmm. it'll happen in September too. And July thirtieth, Horse's Mouth. The theme is siblings. And the stories will be at West Six Brewing mm-hmm. Company. Mm-hmm. That's where that's taking place. The Nothing like a good beer and uh, a story. Good beer and some <laughs> seafood from the place right next door and Smith a story. Yeah. And, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. I couldn't remember the name of it. Yeah. Smithtown Seafood? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then in the at the public library downtown here in Lexington, on July 27th, a storyteller named Jonathan Wright from Yellow Springs, Ohio, is going to be at the library. She'll tell stories for 30 minutes or so, and although she has a background in lots of different kinds of stories, she's going to focus on personal stories that evening. Jonathan also tells Ohio folklore, and she has studied extensively um, Japanese folklore. She and her husband have made multiple trips to Japan, and he has taught Japanese at um, Antioch. But she's going to focus on her personal stories that night, and that those events also include time for open mic. And that will be at the public library downtown in the Farish Theater there on the first floor of the main public library, and that starts at 7. So there's those events happening. And then in September, last weekend in September, is the Cave Run Storytelling Festival. That happens over near Moorhead. Um, near the Poppin' Rock Campground at 
Cave Run mm-hmm. Lake, which is part of the Daniel Boone National Forest. And that's an event that draws, oh gosh, I don't know, probably a few thousand people. They serve thousands of school children who get bussed in on Thursday and Friday. And then the Friday and Saturday events are open to the general public. It's uh, storytelling outside under a tent, so there's shelter. But it's one of the most beautiful sites for storytelling in the whole country because you, you're sitting um, uh, on a hillside that overlooks a lake with beautiful trees on the opposite side. It's, it's really a fabulous setting. We and that also, date is uh, the last uh, weekend in September? Last weekend say? in okay. September is that event. That's one of five storytelling festivals in our state now. The one that happens immediately after that would be first weekend in October. That's a brand new event. It's in the city of Wilmore. That, and Wilmore, for those who don't know, is south of Lexington, Toward go to go to Nicholasville and a little bit beyond, and home you'll get to Wilmore. Home of Asbury College. Home of Asbury College, and there's a storytelling festival there. First year, don't have a lot more details, but it's that first weekend in October, and then later in October, October 20th and 21st, is the Corn Island Storytelling Festival, which happens in Louisville, Kentucky. And on Friday of Corn Island, events take place at University of Louisville, who's a co-sponsor of the event. And on Saturday for the Corn Island event, things happen at Black Acre Nature Preserve mm-hmm. there in the Louisville area. There are also festivals. Well, and then, of course, that first week in November, we talked about the Kentucky Storytelling Conference, which is open mics, workshops, mm-hmm. concerts, big variety. And Mary, before you go any further with, with the dates and mm-hmm. all of that, uh, are, are all of these listed on your website? They are all on the Kentucky Storytelling Association mm-hmm. website. Absolutely. You can go to www.kystory.org, select calendar, and then select whatever month you want, and it will tell you about storytelling events that are open to the public that happen in Kentucky or in nearby areas of adjoining states. I wish we uh, had time for you to tell us a story. We don't oh, uh, have that, be great. <laughs> that that time, but but maybe uh, sometime uh, we can have you back and you can uh, we can we can tell stories. How about that? That would be fun. That would be fun. There's a lot happening in storytelling now in Kentucky. Sounds it's very like exciting. It. A lot yeah. more than I thought about. So I hope people will enjoy uh, attending some of these festivals and uh, and open mic uh, performances and. Uh, We appreciate uh, Mary Hamilton, president of the Kentucky Storytelling Association, for joining us on Think Humanities. You're welcome. Thank you. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.